Hi everyone, welcome to Colton Corner, Lafayette's Interfaith Podcast. I'm Lisa Green, I am the president of Hillel, and I am the Interfaith Fellow on campus. Uh, it's the first time I'm actually saying that, that's exciting. Um, and I am so excited today to be joined by Dean of Students, Brian Sample. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for inviting me, Lisa. Yeah, of course. All right. Well, I'm so excited to get started and for everyone to get to know you a bit better. Um, so jumping to the very beginning, um, what would you say your faith tradition is? Yeah, so I identify as Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was Catholic and my dad is Protestant. So mm-hmm. um, that was part of their, uh, when they went to get married, part of the arrangement that my sisters mm-hmm. and I would be brought up in one of the traditions and that was Catholicism. So mm-hmm. um, participating in the First Communion, going to Mass, uh, um, completing Confirmation, uh, those were all things I had sort of been um, shepherded into the faith by my mom, actually. Yeah. So would you say your mom was your main faith role model? Were there any others? Um, when I was younger, I would say she was, mm-hmm. uh, of course, sending us to um, parochial school. And I only, oh, wow. I only attended maybe the first couple of years and then I went public. <laughs> um, but she taught um, uh, religious classes after school. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I attended those, obviously. And then, you know, she took us, uh, encouraged us to go to Mass. I don't know if we had much of a choice. It was in the car, you know. <laughs> um, no negotiating. No, no, no. That didn't work too well. I didn't have those skills back then. Oh. Um, but I'd say when I got older, um, the college I had gone to, St. Anselm, mm-hmm. um, it was Benedictine Catholic, so the oldest order. Mm-hmm. And so there was actually a monastery on campus with monks who were on the governing board for the school. They taught wow. classes. And so... Seeing people who were really in a fishbowl um, all the time, walking the talk and, you know, Mm -hmm. helping us to understand what it means to be hospitable to people of all faiths Mm -hmm. and welcoming and making ethical decisions. um, It it really changes that dynamic when you have um, folks who are those religious role models actually so actively involved in your college life. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that I look to many of those those monks as, as role models. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Do you remember any, any any in particular that you had conference with or anything like that? Ironically enough, um, a former dean of students oh, um, really? who then was oh. in the history department, who I was a history major, oh, um, but someone who just led a very, um, mm-hmm. I would say, a very uh, rich life in mm-hmm. getting to know people, always showing up on family weekend at soccer oh. games for meeting families and parents and um, just investing time in, in students' development and always asking about you know, what are your career goals? Well, what can you push yourself towards? So not always the religious role models you had always spoke about religion, No, um, but sometimes you just identified that as a part of their um, identity and and tradition. I always think of religion as just having a community, right? And it it doesn't necessarily matter, you know, the specifics or the beliefs, but just the fact that you have people there for you supporting you. Um, Yeah, I love that. So going back to the parochial school for a minute, um, I'm curious with all of your, you know, Catholic elements growing up, did, did your dad influence you at all? Did you like have any kind of Protestant elements? Um, my, my dad, funny enough, often went to mass with us. So oh, there was, so nice. um, I, I never actually attended a, a Protestant service until mm-hmm. I actually moved to Lehigh Valley oh, wow. and I heard about the Moravians. So, mm-hmm. um, I still identify as Catholic, but I thought, you know, it's a new area. This is an right. important part of the culture and history. Maybe I'll, mm-hmm. I'll see what, um, one of those services is like. And actually, mm-hmm. After having gone to it, I realized, hey, that was my, my first Protestant service. Oh, wow. um, 
when I uh, when I was growing up, of course, I grew up Catholic, but I had two cousins who are Jewish mm -hmm. and they live in San Francisco. And we really? often wrote letters to each other, just filling in on our lives. And when one oh. of them came to uh, to his bar mitzvah, I actually went to San Francisco, oh, uh, watched him get up there and, and just, you know, perform and, and all the work that he had to go into it and preparation. Yeah. I was like, I don't think I could have done that. So, wow. um Having exposure to some other faith traditions was also something early on. Right, I'm sure. Was it was it that your aunt or uncle uh, married someone who was Jewish? And then, yeah. So my mom's uh, cousin. Um, oh, so these would be my second cousins. So oh my mom's gosh. cousin, um, who is Catholic, uh, married someone uh, who is Jewish, and um, oh, wow. you know, everyone always like asks, "Well, how's that going to work?" And they're like, well, "We'll just make it work," and it did. <laughs> we'll just figure and, it out. And it yeah. A, and, they're still married, and it's a yeah, it's a it's a great family. Oh, that's amazing! Are you still close with your cousins? Um, we still stay in touch, and it, I'm, I also write to my mom's cousin Aww. on occasion. So, yeah. Oh, that's so nice. So, I'm um, going forward a little bit. Do you think your Do you think your beliefs kind of shifted at all moving into public school? Well, it's it's funny. Um, so in Massachusetts, uh, a significant proportion of of the town I grew up in, Wilbraham, mm -hmm. known as Friendly's. Home of Friendly's ice cream. So, <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Something sweet and going out to a walkout, like I've, I've got that covered. Yeah. Um, but a, a major proportion of the town was Catholic. So, mm -hmm. in some ways, um, I went to public school starting in the third grade, oh, all the way true. up through 12. Oh, and so, um, in some ways, yeah, it was public. You know, you met but people from publicish <laughs> all faith traditions. Some who a lot who didn't have a faith tradition, but mm -hmm. there were still a, a lot of people who did share that in town where there was mm -hmm. a church. So, um, I felt like it wasn't totally going from one extreme to the next. Right, right. Um, and how? What was your relationship like with your church as you as you got older? Um, yeah. So older. Uh, mm -hmm. um, I wonder which decade I'm referring to now, which is sad mm -hmm. to say, but I'd say that part of growing up in a faith tradition is often how your parents or how another mm -hmm. role model helps kind of shepherd you through it. What are the holidays? What are the traditions? What are the services? And then at some point, um, you go off to college or you go beyond mm -hmm. college and you encounter people of different faith traditions. And it's true. often you, and in my experience, I almost look for what more you have in common than what's oh, different. Yeah, and you find that it's actually, regardless of what your doctrine says, you have a lot more in common in, in your spiritual journey. Yeah. But you also encounter folks who um, may not have a spiritual background or a religious mm -hmm. uh, background in a formalized sense, agnostic, atheist, worldview. Right. And in some ways, hearing from folks who don't share that view in some ways tests you know, your faith mm -hmm. and your beliefs at times. Um, I remember reading Carl Sagan's The Demon Haunted World and, you know, just a very rational scientific thought process on on um, how you weigh evidence and why we believe, you know, what we do. How and old were you when you read it? I was in graduate school then. Oh. But I, I would say that once you leave college and graduate school and you're in the world um, and you're staying attuned to the news and, and you go off and you have to make that decision, right? So, mm -hmm. like, your mom sent you to church as a kid and said, get in the car and go. Right. Um, now, when you're an adult, do you make that effort to go on, you know, a Friday, Is Saturday it still a priority? Yeah. yeah. Is it well, still? Do you remember, was there ever a turning point for you when you were, you know, maybe um, a, young, a young adult, teenager, kind of thinking, you know, maybe... Maybe I'm not as maybe I don't feel the same way I did as I was was when I was very young, when when you were going to church. 
Um, I'd say that sometimes when you're younger, like you're going with your family. Right. And then when you get a little bit older, you're going with your classmates. Mm -hmm. And then when you're a little bit older, you're like, who do I go with? Yeah. And there may not be right. someone, especially, you know, I've, I've moved around. I lived in Boston. I lived in mm -hmm. Knoxville. I lived in Lancaster. I now live in, in Bethlehem Township here in Easton. And, you know, you don't always have that same group around you. So mm -hmm. as you ask about a priority and where does that fall, it takes more effort when you don't have to go with other people and you have it's to find a, a new community. Thing. Yeah, yeah, and if you're looking for a social thing, that, that takes time to build. Right. Um, and so in some ways, the way you prioritize it, the way you take actions, it's somehow stepping out of your comfort zone mm -hmm. and meeting new people, even if they share a same faith. Um, and for folks who don't share your faith that you meet, that you become best friends with, um, how do you celebrate their faith? And right. are you invited to any of their functions? And so mm -hmm. at least now, you know, that's half the questions I ask. So when I meet Definitely. someone from different faith, how can I, you know, learn more about yours or support oh, I love that? that? Yeah. So what were your were most of your friends growing up? Do they all go to church with you? And then that kind of changed at a certain point? Um, that's actually a really good question. I'd say that I'd say that many of them I would see at church. Mm -hmm. I don't know if all of them were my friends. Um, <laughs> some of them were. Um, but then, you know, you'd, you'd have close friends who you didn't see there and realize, oh, mm -hmm. they went to the other church in town. Or right, right. Um, maybe their family didn't have a faith background. Mm -hmm. Or they did, but maybe they just didn't go. So I think um, as I grew up, as I went mm -hmm. to college and as I went to grad school and as I left and, and became a working professional, um, that network of people who you didn't share faith with grows. Mm, definitely, yeah. So more now than I'd say when I was, um, you know, in high school. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so what was your decision process like when you were looking at colleges? Well, you know, I, I think <laughs> I looked at everything under the sun. Um, the U.S. News and World Report. Yeah, uh, The Princeton Review for Best of X. Oh, you, know, you have what could to. It be? Um, where I ended up going, they were always rated number uh, three or number five for food, best food in the country. So when <laughs> I went for amazing. a tour, you know, that was, that was partially a selling point, but yeah, you know, um, not, not totally the selling point, but you know, as I looked at programs, I really looked at, at that point I was looking to become a principal of a high school. Oh, so really? who had a secondary education program mm -hmm. and, and I went through and I got certified, but then I realized I wanted to become higher education. So maybe Dean's your college version of a principal. I, I think so. <laughs> well, so was there something when you were growing up that made you want to be a principal, that made you want to go into education? Well, as you ask about role models, mm -hmm. I had a couple of really great ones in middle school. Um, mm -hmm. He had he had served, um, you know, in the armed forces, and then he had come mm -hmm. back as a way of giving back to the community, um, serving as a teacher and then as an administrator. Mm -hmm. And he was really, a, uh, Mr. Dion, a, a very important role model. And then when I went to high school, we also had a great assistant principals. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really respected them and the work they did and how they built spirit and tradition and, um, you know, really were there for students when they're going through hard times. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> you know, you see, you know, you hear about things in high school and you've seen them, you know, going through it of bullying and everything else. And these are the people who actually step in and have to negotiate with parents and families right. and kids um, and teachers. And I felt, wow, that's that's important work and something I was going to pursue later on. Definitely. Oh, that's wonderful. So then what got you to um, to shift in college to thinking maybe I'd like to be in even post-secondary education? Yeah. Um, well, I, I realized that probably in my last two years, I had been an RA 
um, for three years. How so was I, that? I sort of saw the nightlife of the <laughs> yeah, campus and, and everything people probably don't want to talk about <laughs> after a night of drinking. I, I saw quite soberly. And, oh, man. Um, you know, that, I wouldn't say that those were all reasons I said I'm going into higher education, but I'd say mm -hmm. that recognizing how important the work is for the administrators mm -hmm. who are behind the scenes, the faculty members who are um, teaching classes, and, you know, maybe they notice something off with a student that you never want to see a student fall off a path to success for a really bright mm -hmm. future. And so thinking about um, the dynamics of working in a um, public school setting or a private school setting at mm -hmm. the secondary level versus a higher ed set level, I've worked at public and private higher education, and I, mm -hmm. I always felt that that was a better match. So I, I also finished what I start. So I finished <laughs> the whole certification process in my oh, senior year, taught at Bedford High School in New Hampshire, just really? um, oh. five, yeah, sophomore social studies. It's, it's <laughs> eye-opening. Um, oh, man. But, uh, you know, and, and, but realizing that I was going to go on to higher education, um, I had gotten into the master's program at Boston College and mm -hmm. a benefit of higher ed is of course that you can often get your degree paid for so um, oh, that not having to, yeah not having to pay for my master's not having to pay for my PhD um, during Lent uh, the food they served in the cafeteria there was not meat on Fridays um, even mm -hmm. bacon bits for a salad you would not really? you would not find them so it was it was kind of like we're going to remove the decision for you to, <laughs> to make that's that's not your time <laughs> <laughs> so um that, that was that was definitely uh, characteristic of, of where I went to college. I, I went to Boston College for grad school, which was also mm -hmm. Catholic, but Jesuit. And they were, they were a lot more relaxed about that sort of thing. It was sort of like, there's bacon there. It's your choice whether you want to <laughs> order it or not. Um, but I would say that, you know, those were some of the, sometimes with a religious institution, some of the structural choices or policies mm -hmm. that, try to um, form kind of decision-making. Right. How did you feel about having to enforce those things, like the like the sneaking people in? <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> funny when members of, I won't give away the athletic team, but there was one team that was just notorious for it. And, <laughs> you know, in some ways it was it was hard to sleep because you'd hear someone prowling around in the bushes outside uh, a window. Oh and like, is this person oh. trying to break in? Are they a danger? Are they just trying to sneak in their girlfriend and, or boyfriend? And... Um, you know, any number of scenarios could have happened, but it's an awkward situation when you have to it's knock on a door be. at two in the morning and say, hey, you know, <laughs> significant other's got to go. <laughs> like, uh, I know what you're doing. Yeah, especially when, you yeah. know, it's an athlete and they're they're much bigger than you. And, you know, it's like, okay, oh. but it's, it's time. Um, so sometimes that, that challenges you, but um, we had to sure. take three theology courses in our four years, too. Oh, so yeah. What did you pick? Uh, that's a good question. You're really challenging my memory now. Uh, so I took, um, everyone had to take biblical theology. So you had to read the Old Testament and the New Testament, front mm -hmm. to back. It was perhaps really? some of the most reading I have ever done. Oh my goodness, that's course. a ton. Um, and you studied it in, in mm -hmm. depth. And then I took a class on ethics. Mm -hmm. um, so how religion um, and ethics kind of have an interplay. Oh, I love that. And, then, and you dealt with contemporary issues and how mm -hmm. would a faith tradition see it. And then I took a class on marriage. And so how was marriage really? perceived in faith traditions over time? <clears throat> oh, that's so um, interesting. How even contemporary ones had roots in the Middle Ages and traditions mm. and witnesses at, at ceremonies. So, yeah, it was, it was very wild. insightful. And you got to choose from, um, you know, if you want to take Buddhism, if you mm. want to take Hinduism, if you want to take uh, a Christian-based class or Judaism. Uh -huh. um, there was a lot of options. It was a pretty big tent. That's amazing. Do you remember specific things you learned in any of those classes? 
yeah, I mean, having, um, yeah, I, we were we were grilled pretty tough in, in exams. I, I remember I had one uh, professor um, uh, for biblical theology, Father Peter, um, a great professor, uh, very hard grader, and he loved pop quizzes. <laughs> oh, and a lot goodness. of reading. And, <laughs> I, I didn't like pop quizzes in math, and I, I certainly didn't like them anymore in theology. <laughs> but it had a way of um, you being ready for what mm-hmm. could come and what you're asked about. So it, if you were to ask me about something specific now, I, I, I could probably recall that. That's so interesting. So did any of these any of these really strict policies, I bet that kind of differed from your, your home growing up. Did that kind of have you change your beliefs at all? I don't think think it did um so i have two older sisters one of them went to the same college and so oh that's so in in some ways i i knew what i was uh what i was getting into but um i think it was actually more when those structures aren't there and Mm -hmm. no one's telling you what to do and no one's kind of structuring policies around it it's it's mm -hmm. one of those things where um there's a phrase uh called cafeteria catholic um, oh, I, I don't know that. whether how how that's taken in, in one <laughs> sense or another, but the ascent that you know a lot of people perceive Catholics as um, kind of very um, uniform in beliefs and mm-hmm. structures, and while there's a certain rhythm to mass that is similar no matter where you go for right. service, it's never exactly. You're going to have people pick and choose which parts of the faith <clears throat> right, they get. With. So issues of abortion, you're going to have Catholics who are pro-choice. Mm-hmm. You're going to have some pro-life. Um, uh, all of the major issues, and even. You know, with the vaccine, you know, I, I, I would have chosen and I I would have chosen to get the vaccine regardless of what my religion said. But it was nice when yeah. I heard the Pope come out and say <laughs> it is a moral obligation to get yeah. vaccinated. How great is the Pope? <laughs> <laughs> I really I'm yeah, I love the Pope. Um, that's that's so interesting to me. So you never in in your entire in your growing up experience and then going to college, did you ever have moments though where you would question some of the rules? I, I think you grow to question them when you know that there's another way of doing things. Right, there's right. another perspective out there. So mm-hmm. I would say that on political issues, if the church took a certain stance, I would say I was, mm-hmm. I mean, in high school, I was president of, of the debate team, model Congress. Oh, I was in mock trial. So I was used to seeing other mm-hmm. sides of arguments. Right. And there were always things that the Catholic church took positions on that some of which I agree with, some of which mm-hmm. I did not. And some things that are very core. So you know, part of that is, is I wouldn't say that that cafeteria Catholic comment that often was, you know, you kind of, you know, I hear about my own faith, but um, using kind of your lived experience, your rational judgment, and, um, you know, faith is one guiding influence to say, mm-hmm. you know, there are parts of this I agree with, there are parts of it I don't. That doesn't mean because I don't agree with all of it that I don't identify it. And they're, yeah. That's exactly how I feel. So did you ever get to talk to your mom or any of your teachers about how you would disagree with certain things? Yeah, I yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, one one thing is that where I went to where I went to college is actually it housed the um, the first in the nation primary debates. Mm-hmm. So we would bring all the candidates for president to campus, oh, and so Barack Obama amazing. and John McCain, like that was that was on our campus. That's um, so cool. Two thousand eight primaries were you know you're you're getting folks from both parties, you're hearing all these views. So mm-hmm. I kind of grew up in a debate culture and choosing a school that was that political was actually part of the reason why I chose it. Cause, um, 
I actually really like learning from other people's perspectives. That's you know, I, I grew up in an era where that was, you wanted friends who felt differently. Right. And, you know, right. if you're a Republican, or if you're a Democrat, if you're a Libertarian, like, mm-hmm. let's all break bread together. Let's all be friends at the oh, end of the day. Oh, I love that. And so I like debate. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was plenty of debate in my family about politics or <laughs> religion or, or something else, um, the issue of the day. But, um, yeah, I think that was all a very healthy way. I think looking at conflict as constructive and criticism, oh, absolutely. learning from it is, is a good thing. Well, otherwise it festers under the rug and that's and that's never productive. Um, and it's just interesting to hear other sides that make you kind of reaffirm your beliefs or question them. Um, I'm curious, do you remember any specific debates you had around the dinner table? Um yeah, that's actually testing my memory. I don't know that I can think of a specific <laughs> one good, right yeah. now. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. So then stepping outside of that context, right, growing up in college, um, what was your faith journey like in those first few years? Um, did, you, did you kind of feel maybe a, li- a little distant from it without those formal structures in place? Yeah, so when I went to the University of Tennessee, it was a public institution. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's the South. Right. right. So right. there's the first question I got after my name from folks was, what church do you go to? Really? Um, and it wasn't a judgmental question. It was right. more of a question a that so many people down there identify with their faith yeah. and religion that they're genuinely curious, like, OK, so where do you fit in in the community? Because right. most of us go to a you know church as <laughs> like an assumption. What box are you that's in? there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I, I felt when I was in the South, you know, even though Catholicism and Protestants, they're both Christian, um, Catholicism was definitely a little bit of a minority religiously in Knoxville, Tennessee. And so (laughs) there was a, there was a street on campus that they nicknamed Religious Row, and it had a lot of different denominations (laughs) that had their own house. It was kind of like each house had almost like their little fraternity. That's Um, so funny. And there at the end of it was, you know, the the Catholic house. And so there were some graduate students who got together and, you know, we met. Uh, once a week uh, before mass and finding community um, even where I would say we were in the more of the religious minority mm-hmm. was was important but after to your question after grad school you know there was a church in town I went to mm-hmm. um, where I had a friend that went um, oh, and so I didn't really know a lot of people mm-hmm. but that was sort of the first okay so part of my rituals and traditions mm-hmm. will be um I'll go to church downtown and then maybe we'll go out to brunch together or, oh, that sounds um, so nice. you know, we'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll grab a coffee at the coffee shop afterwards yeah. or I'll chat with people afterwards. But that was a hard, that was a hard decision point when you don't know anyone to have kind of the goal to like, all right, I'm going to go into this <laughs> church and see. And when right. I moved to Lancaster, it was even worse because now I didn't know anybody. Oh, sure. And sometimes you go to a church and you just, you don't feel the fit. Yeah. Well, so, so do you, you kind of built your own community, right? In grad school. Did you get closer with that one friend to kind of meet more people? I'd say so. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the challenges too is, uh, when, so I finished grad school when I was 27, mm-hmm. 28. Um, you realize that especially in the South, <coughs> like everyone is married and settled down with kids, or at least it feels that at, way. At 22, yeah. Yeah, yes, yes. I, I saw plenty of undergrads with, with engagement. Oh, rooms. my goodness. Um, very different than Boston, where it was like, hey, are we 30 yet? I don't know if we can think Different than this. Lancaster, probably. <laughs> yeah, so Lancaster, I, I moved to, and I was, you know, I was thinking it was 29 then. Um, but what happened was, you know, you go to a church and you realize, oh, everyone's got their families. Um, 
or they're retired and you're like, where do I fit <laughs> in this whole yeah. mix of just being new, single to the area? Um, mm. And sometimes the homily, which is the message the priest would deliver, um, sometimes it just does not resonate with you. Um, sometimes right, it can right. be um, just doesn't isn't relatable or it may be political. And so you try different places. And so one church I went to, mm. I, I didn't feel that connection. Okay. Um, another one I went to was okay. It was where um, a coworker went. Um, mm. And then another one I went to, I was like, you know, this is where the connection is. This oh, is where, um, ironically, another person I worked with went, but um, <laughs> we would see each other. And but it oh. was uh, it was more for. I noticed that after I felt the connection mm. and I felt the message resonated with me where mm. I was in my life, and um, that I felt there was a a nice sense of community. So I I drove you know twenty minutes to to oh, go over there, amazing. and then I would it was worth it. Yeah, and then I would have that same tradition I had in Knoxville <laughs> of like, all right, maybe I'll grab a coffee or, oh. or something while I'm over on this side of town yeah you make a day of it you make a day of it yeah. and then um and then back at it so that would be my message with students that would be if you have a faith tradition um how do you keep that up when your classmates aren't going with you or mm-hmm. you don't have that club meeting um right. where does that fall like as you said in your priority exactly. list and how does that now define your identity as an right. adult and how does that change and does that evolve and do you find mm-hmm. a different one do you stick with that one you you have that choice and what makes that connection stick well and I'm, I'm really curious about that in your case so once you moved to Tennessee and you moved to Lancaster what was the driving force that kind of kept you wanting to seek out church and Catholic communities um was there what was the motivation there um, I would say it was still part of my, and it still is, you know, part mm-hmm. of my identity. And, um, you know, as part of part of getting through college and graduate school mm-hmm. and just your personal fulfillment, mm-hmm. I, I feel that spiritual is certainly a dimension there. And so mm-hmm. if I had been um, raised in a different tradition, if I had been raised mm-hmm. uh, Jewish or Protestant, I would still feel a connection probably to that faith and religion and I would want to keep that up yeah Yeah, so spiritual is is an important part of my life Mm. and it's usually not one that publicly I'm like leading with (laughs) but it's one that may you know influence certain um, ethical decisions I make really Um, like what like what decisions in particular yeah so I mean I think about uh, how we care for each other I think Mm -hmm. about the dignity of the human person Um, in the Jesuit tradition uh, there is a phrase called cura personalis, which means education mm-hmm. of the whole person. And that's, it's not that's just beautiful. me teaching you and transactional. It's, mm-hmm. you know, are you good? Are you okay? Are right. you um, cared for? Are you well? Mm-hmm. And if not, how can we get you to a better place? So uh, a lot of BC when I was there was focusing on that whole person mm-hmm. and that you're not just educating the person when they're sitting at a seat in the classroom, mm-hmm. you're educating them outside the classroom right. when they're with others in community. It's a sense of care. It it is a sense of care. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of difficult decisions in my area. And Mm -hmm. I always have to weigh, you know, how how do we treat each other? And Mm -hmm. what kind of community do we want to be? And, you know, part of when I was in college, the Benedictine philosophy was hospitality Mm -hmm. and that you're welcoming and that you're open and whoever can come into your door feels comfortable. And so that's something I probably carry through to this day. Oh, that's beautiful. And is part of that a relationship with a higher power. Do you, do you believe in that or, or not so much? I, I, I do believe in a higher power. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel like there's a lot science tells us about the world and mm-hmm. there's a lot of evidence um, that backs up what we have out there. 
there's also a lot of unanswered questions on the universe. Of course. And yeah. um, I think as you get older, there's what you're weighing of what you've been taught. Mm -hmm. There's what you can prove and there's what there's evidence for. And then there's your faith and there's your belief system. And sometimes mm -hmm. that can help um, explain and give purpose to that which, you know, there isn't evidence or there mm -hmm. isn't any scientific explanation. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that for me, a belief in a higher power and, the spiritual element is sort of that, you know, glue that kind of binds what you can prove and what you can't together. Oh, that's beautiful. Do you think that your kind of view about that has shifted as you got older? I think it gets challenged as you get older because um, I think you, as I said, when you get further from a community of faith, you also mm -hmm. meet people who have none at all. And, right. you know, that's, that's certainly a different way of looking at things. And if mm -hmm. I hadn't grown up with a sense of faith, if I hadn't mm -hmm. grown up with any type of religion, maybe I would be right. in a worldview sort of mentality mm -hmm. of, yeah, you know, I'm spiritual in some sense, but not like a religious, mm -hmm. um, uh, organized religious right. fashion. Right, your own, your own thing. Yeah, yeah, so I think everyone's upbringing influences kind of where they are, but some people change. Right. They Some people convert, some people have something mm -hmm. really happen to them that they, they find faith and other mm -hmm. people are turned away from faith for one right. reason or another. Um, I think everyone's journey is continuously changing. Mm -hmm. And so I think as I got older, I think the faith has withstood so many mm -hmm. tests or so many you know, folks in different perspectives. And um, I think that's okay. Yeah, I think, I think, I think that's, I think that's perfectly okay. And I think actually- It think makes it, it stronger. It comes out stronger after yeah. you've actually asked questions, <laughs> after you've challenged it, you know, kind of as we all challenge yeah. authority at one point, and then we are the mm -hmm. authority, and then we- <laughs> Like, oh, wait a minute, there's a right, reason why this is here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. So what were some of the specific questions you had about your faith kind of as you moved through life that, that, that kind of stood the test of time? That's a really good question. Um, I think some of the questions you have are so many religions have like so many rules and so mm -hmm. many approaches. And um, I think one of them, you know, can deal with, you know, what, you know, in the Christian faith, Catholicism and a lot of the denominations disagree over like, well, when do you baptize? Mm -hmm. um, how often do you have communion? You know, what right. does communion mean? Uh, you know, Catholics mm -hmm. would say something different probably than, than Protestants would say. Um, I, I think that that's, I, I don't get hung up on those because in some ways, yes, in those circles, they're important debates, but to me, that's sort of like losing the sight of the forest yeah. because you're, you're just seeing the trees. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, again, this is not the kind of thing like I would want to get hung up on, and but some people want to go there. So mm -hmm. I think part of it is also that maneuvering of figuring out, like, you know, they say politics, sports, and religion are three <laughs> things you don't talk about. And, um, and that's probably why I don't lead with, like, religion in a lot of conversations. But, you know, just as an intellectual curiosity, oh, absolutely. Um, that back and forth is, is insightful. I think it's so I think it's so central to people's identities and it's become a taboo subject and that's really that's why I love doing this because I love making it seem more accessible and you know your Catholicism is just another part of who you are um so I'm really I'm so intrigued by that so how so going back to your timeline right how many years did you spend in Lancaster I was there five years five years and then um how was the shift coming to Easton 
Ironically, very, very similar. So mm -hmm. my sister graduated from Muhlenberg. Oh, that's so fun. So while I grew up in Massachusetts, um, mm -hmm. you may not get much of a Boston accent. I grew up outside the city. <laughs> yeah, uh, you may yeah. get a Southern accent once in a while. But uh, don't let it deceive you. When I'm driving, it's, it's Boston driving. <laughs> Uh, so watch That's out. That's great. <laughs> Just yeah. No, I have a little Philly driver. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but my sister went to Muhlenberg. And so mm -hmm. the Lehigh Valley was not new to me. Right. Uh, I had I had visited her when she went to college there. And I always said, hey, you know, this is actually a really nice area. Yeah. Um, being in Lancaster, <clears throat> I was only an hour and a half away. Mm -hmm. And so coming through once in a while, um, I always pass through the area actually on the trip home. But, Aww. you know, occasionally there would be an something going on in the area and so I'd be here and I I never thought about living here until the position at Lafayette came open mm -hmm. and Franklin and Marshall is just so similar of an institution oh, that um, it was sort of like a doppelganger experience when I was here <laughs> it was like your role is somebody I know at another place and I kind of did a little bit of these roles here it's a little mm -hmm. bit different it's like in a mirror image so like you don't want to say they're the same because there's definitely differences but mm -hmm. They feel very similar. It's so funny. One of my best friends from high school goes to Franklin and Marshall. Um, and, and we talk about how similar they are all the time. <laughs> yeah, I really, um, that's so interesting. So yeah. it was nice having Hershey's chocolate world in your backyard. Maybe that was bad because I would go there too often. I won't say how That's often. so funny. Well, now you have Dorney. I do. I do. Um, Steel Stacks also, if students haven't gone to Steel Stacks, it is I've like. never heard of it. What? Yeah. So what steel stuff? Bethlehem, Southside, the old steel mill. They um, mm -hmm. there's a group called Arts Quest over there, and think of it for a community that's like your student involvement office. All they do mm -hmm. is plan events and activities, and some of them are free. It's We're amazing. Like every weekend in the summer here, they have free concerts, very eclectic variety wow. of what it's playing. Um, they oh do different God. parties around times of the year. There was supposed to be, I saw the Super Bowl, which was like soup oh. from local restaurants all there as a big competition. Oh. I think it got postponed, but I have to oh, double check that. But a yeah, a lot of things going on down mm -hmm. there. Um, and you know, I have to, I wear my Lafayette gear, even though I'm on <laughs> Lehigh's territory and I, I'll wear it without shame, but, um, <laughs> there is a lot of things going on downtown Bethlehem. Oh, that's amazing. And I live between there and here, so it's. Mm -hmm. It's not a far commute for me. So, yeah, so it's a nice drive. Um, so in terms of your spiritual life, what, what has that been like since you've been here? And and especially during the pandemic, did that change anything? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, just when I found a church in Lancaster, I had to move oh. out here and, oh. and find a new one. So um, an hour and a half was a little bit of, too much of a commute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, 20 minutes might have been worth it. But <laughs> yeah, making a pilgrimage every week would not be yeah, no, on my list. No, no. <laughs> uh, so I actually am still trying out different churches um, in the area so I've I've tried three different ones in the really? area and um, you know I've some of it was I hadn't before I moved here mm -hmm. actually up until two months ago um, I haven't gone to mass in person oh, in the really? last two years because of COVID, because of COVID and the pandemic yeah. so when the pandemic hit I actually paused going because in in church, you know, people always want to turn around and shake hands, and it's very clustered, and it's an indoor environment. Back then, no one was vaccinated. There was no vaccine. Of course, yeah. So I chose to prioritize my health. And Avoid it like the plague, you know, no pun intended. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, even saying that I wasn't going to go home for Thanksgiving mm -hmm. or Christmas, because oh. my parents are over 70, and I didn't want to put them at yeah, risk, even if I was asymptomatic. And so those were holidays that we typically mm -hmm. would have gone to church together. Right. That 
I just said, you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll stream it. And mm. I streamed for I think Christmas, yeah, um, how or was Easter, that? and that was that was it. So there was a disconnection point where I wasn't even streaming every week. Like I probably only did that Easter Christmas. It's not the same. <laughs> yeah, a CNE Catholic. Yes, um, and so so that was an attendance, you know, challenge. It was a engagement challenge. It was a holiday, a mm. tradition, a you know, even the, the kind of secular traditions with it of exchanging gifts or anything right. it just didn't happen. It's it. That connection wasn't there. Yeah. yeah. And then on top of that, you're like, well, I'm now in a new area. <laughs> I'm, I'm still not ready. Even vaccinated, you know, last year, I was not ready going into a, a church and being that so clustered it's scary. with yeah. people. And so when, um, when you actually invited me to be part of Hillel's you know, service, uh, one Friday evening, that, that was actually my first church service in probably a good year. Oh, and so that wow. was, that was so wonderful oh, because, um, that was the one time probably in that last year I yeah. felt that faith connection again. Oh, and so oh, that's, that's why I think that coming more similar and finding mm -hmm. commonalities is important. I but, think there are so yeah. many similarities. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we're, we're having a service tonight, every Friday at five and, and you're always so welcome and we'd love to have you. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. Yeah, I, mm, that's, that's really something. So you're still trying out churches here. And what do you look for when you're trying to feel that connection, do you think? Yeah, I think part of it is you hope there's people in your um, point in life. And I think mm -hmm. part of that is, all right, are there other people, like I'm 35, you know, are there other people generally in, in that in band? In that ballpark, yeah. Um, uh, because I think the homilies and the messages that the priest delivers are somewhat to their congregation and that can change obviously on your group. Right. But, um, I think, you know, I, I, what does, does the feel of the place feel like warm, mm -hmm. welcoming, inclusive and comfortable? So important. Yeah. Um, not closed off. No, mm -hmm. no. And you know, are they going to judge me if I don't do the right thing or say the right <laughs> thing? Or, you know, I've been out of it so long, I forget yeah. exactly what to say and do. And have, so, you ever, have you ever seen John Mulaney's bit about that? No. <laughs> Um, he makes a joke about um, peace be with you, and, and after so many years, it changed to uh, it changed to and with your spirit instead of and also with you. Okay, so now that you mentioned that, I totally missed the mark on that. I must have been out for a few weeks, um, and then I came back, and I was like, "All What's the words going are different." Um, and then they started adding like a prayer at the end of service, and I was like, well, "What's well, this? I don't know any of that." <laughs> so sometimes, if you take too much of a break, it's it's. It's like starting over in some ways, yeah. but um, but do people invite you back in, like help you learn the new stuff? Or yeah, they put the the new words like usually in the pews and, <laughs> and you read it. Um, but yeah. I, I'd say it's the people, it's the mm -hmm. atmosphere, yeah, it's definitely. the message. Mm -hmm. You know that can I relate to this, or is it like overtly political? Is it um, so you're looking for kind of life? apolitical? You think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it should be right. Like, I think it, it mm -hmm. shouldn't always say, well, if you're of a certain faith, you should believe X. I think it. Right. Well, that excludes half of people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, I, I completely, I get that. Yeah. And, and, um, and you know, some of, um, you know, I, I think of some summer jobs I've had too, where I met people outside my community, you know, working at different, um, you know, ironically band camps or like several, uh, sleepaway camps and, you know, meeting people who are just coming from so many different walks of faith and some of the most, Christian um, uh, people I know were members of the LGBTQ community. Uh, yeah, and it's sure. that intersection of your identity, of your faith, that I think continues to still like 
pique my curiosity and just see how are we again more similar than we are different. Of course, of course. And I guess when you're looking at a church, right, you want to make sure they're inclusive in, in their messaging Absolutely. and in practice. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that's beautiful. Going back to that connection piece and when you were saying earlier like COVID stopped you from going to church with your family. Mm-hmm. Do you have memories of throughout your life of the times you felt like most connected in church? I, I felt and I haven't thought about this in maybe <laughs> 10, 11 years mm. since I was an undergrad. Oh, um, wow. Really, I think the moments you're most tried are the times you really go to your mm. faith. Um, it's uh, If yeah, it's in your grounding and if it's in your identity, mm. because if a family member is sick, mm-hmm. um, if you're confused, okay, I, I, I did my four years undergrad. I don't know where to go for graduate school. Yeah. I've got... What do I do? T- sometimes the hardest decision you ever make. I've got two choices in front of me. One career here, one career here, one grad school here, one grad school here. Sometimes that's when you go to to church when even no one's there. Mm. And you're just like, it's quiet. There's no one talking. There's no one here. I can just pray and I can think and I can reflect. And sometimes churches can be the best place to do that because um, of the atmosphere and the environment Mm. and a place where you can reconnect with yourself. And you're usually in a faith because of certain values Mm. and you can think about how do those values influence where do I make this next step and I'm making a decision based on those values and who I am and so I think when the decisions came to to do that um Mm. where to go to school you know what career to go into uh you know if a family member is sick I think that's really when you connect with faith very closely those core messages so other than inclusivity and taking care of the whole person are, are there lessons from the Catholicism you think of quite often? Um, I mean, as you ask about role modeling, mm-hmm. um, I often saw throughout my time um, at different schools that the priests who were working in the Catholic Church actually had really good working relationships with um, mm-hmm. imams or rabbis oh, or uh, Protestant um, clergymen mm-hmm. and so ministers. And so it's a nice fishbowl effect to see like mm. all right folks from all different faiths are actually able to get along really well yeah um definitely. and they can find that harmony I, I wish everyone would kind of look to that as a model and see okay yeah again more in common than we have different right. um, and you can learn you can learn so much yeah and and <laughs> and i i think seeing that also thinks okay you know who don't i have in my friend circle you know mm. where am i not seeing someone else's experience. Right. And I think we ask that question a lot in college administration because mm-hmm. we never want to make a policy or a decision mm-hmm. and a group of students are cut out. And so that's right. why whenever a big mm-hmm. decision's coming, I always try to bring it to students and maybe it's student government or maybe it's right. a different pocket so or I sample a group and, mm-hmm. all right, what are we missing? Does this fit? Or is this like totally off base and like just you totally want to tell me? It's so funny. That's one of the things I most admired about Lafayette. Part of the reason I decided to go here, um, because I would ask, you know, most of the colleges I was I was looking at were were not the picture of diversity, right? Um, and I would ask at most schools, like, um, you know, this this seems to be an issue. What what's being done to address it? And most schools would say, you know, would give a very fluffy you know, generic answer of just, you know, that's not true, we're very diverse, you know, um, all that sort of thing. And I asked here, and I was told, we know it's a problem, and we're working on it, Mm -hmm. and here's what we're doing to address it, and we want people to feel heard, and here's how we're going about that. And I don't know, I mean, have you kind of felt, have you kind of felt that we're 
more inclusive or kind of similar to F&M and other spaces? Yeah, I mean, F&M, um, very similar size. I'd say mm -hmm. both institutions are very committed to diversity. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. F&M's diversity <coughs> was 20% international mm -hmm. when I left. So, oh, that's so interesting. among co all colleges in the country that are Baccalaureate institutions, mm -hmm. that's about top 10. Really? Wow. Ranked. So I, I think it was even, it was in the top 10 very highly one year. So um, it skewed very mm -hmm. heavily on the international side. Um, but they also had Posse. So mm. it was Posse New York and Posse Miami. Oh, and so when I stepped foot on Lafayette, actually when I was interviewing, mm. um, you know, recognizing it's also a Posse mm -hmm. partner institution, that they also do the Posse Plus retreats, right. um, which I attended at F&M. Oh, this, really? is, this is, again, like this doppelganger, parallel world. Um, not <laughs> as many international so students, but I think definitely mm. an area to grow. I think when I took the position here, it was also mm. a downturn in international numbers for a variety of reasons and then the pandemic and now i think we're on the uptick again mm -hmm. um and so i'm hopeful that that you know will continue to be you know part of lafayette but um seeing the breakdown of, of students who are from different faiths or, or no faith at all mm -hmm. um i and and certainly where people are coming from in the country um i think that all institutions mm -hmm. um have room to grow but i had the same gut feeling that you did yeah. uh, lisa when i asked questions and when I mm -hmm. investigate I was like wow okay so they actually They're have a strong real. sense of who they mm -hmm. are and where they want to grow and how they want to be more inclusive and um right. you know is any college in the country really there oh, but yeah. it's that that uh, air of authenticity yeah I it's think. the authenticity yeah. and it's the desire to continue to pursue it and not just in that. pamphlets that you get right it's in practice <laughs> like action yeah yes. oh I love that yes and uh, and going back to your your journey and moving here, you know, you started during the pandemic. That must have been so tough. How has the transition been to all in person? Well, uh, Franklin Marshall was in person in the fall of 2020, mm -hmm. and we did not have oh, the vaccine. Right, then. Right, right. We were open. Um, mm -hmm. It was it was interesting because in some ways, when I took the job here, I was to me it was another day in the neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> really, I was used to come into the office oh, most days and. Yeah. It was strange because when I started coming to the office here, it was April 2021. So right. a lot of people were remote at that mm -hmm. time. And, um, you know, my, my boss was in the office. Mm -hmm. I was in the office. Other folks were, were coming in. Um, but it, it felt campus-wide still like a little bit of a ghost I town. I always say a ghost town. Um, That's so funny. I think still a step forward mm -hmm. from a lot of places that didn't have the courage, opportunity, or time to Definitely. go in person Definitely. and make the decision. Um, mm -hmm. But I think... When I, when I was here, it was insightful to learn about students because if I started in the summer, I never would have seen anyone. So the context to make mm -hmm. decisions about orientation or mm -hmm. what will we do for a policy change or what, what could we do for next year, yeah. um, I wouldn't have had the context for it. So I'd rather mm -hmm. be here with my students, you know, in the midst oh, of a okay. pandemic than being in an apartment somewhere, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's 15 minutes away, it might as well be a half an hour Right, half it away. might as well be 10 hours away. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, I, I live 15 minutes from campus, mm -hmm. and I am here, you know, I, I tried. One one thing I did like about Lafayette was that they allowed attendees at games. Oh, so, you know, going to my, you know, um, being a Division One institution, yeah. I wanted to make my rounds. So <laughs> I went to uh, men's soccer, women's soccer, women's volleyball, and men's basketball so far. So I'm still oh, trying to make that tour. Not football. 
No, I, I, I missed the game, but I will be at it. <laughs> I missed the game too. But I, yeah, I, okay. I, I promise uh, we'll Coach go next Troxel, year. Yeah. I will be at football because John Troxel, he was actually our head coach at Franklin and Marshall. Really? Yes. And I, oh, I so know funny. that he's got a deep love for this institution. I know Aww. he's going to do wonders with the team. And so um, I, I, I can't wait to be in attendance at some games where he's head coach. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And then in terms of getting involved on campus, I mean, it seems like you've done just about everything. You know, I was so thrilled when you came to Hillel. It was so great having you there. Did you, do you ever go to Newman Catholic or any of the other faith groups on campus? Uh, you were my first and only oh. faith group so oh, far. Oh my so gosh, I'm I, honored. I would, I would love to have an invitation. So for <laughs> folks listening to the podcast, yeah. if, um, you, you have a group or a service that you'd like to invite me to, uh, get with me. I, I, I do my own <laughs> calendar, so just shoot me an email and yeah. we'll set up a time. Oh, well, that's amazing. So so going off of that and that you're still looking for a new church, do you ever kind of pray individually, especially when you're making these tough decisions? Probably not as much as I should. <laughs> um, sometimes I, and maybe this is my style, sometimes I just wing it and jump in and see. That's great. And, yeah. and go for like that gut reaction. Um, mm. But I, I I probably will start asking those questions as I see more places on, mm. on my tour of the area. Yeah. Oh, well, that's great to and hear. I'm right, and I live like between Easton and Bethlehem, mm. and Allentown's not that far. So I feel like the Tri-City, Lehigh Valley, there's there's a lot of different places. There's got to be There's somewhere. a lot of different flavors <laughs> to each city, too. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I can't tell you too much about the churches, but the synagogue in Easton is wonderful. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Do they do they welcome folks who are not from? Absolutely. Okay, because yeah. I, I that may be a stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be nice. Um, I Yeah. No, I love anything to do with interfaith. I mean, that's that's my main thing. Um, yeah, so, so that's why I've loved this conversation. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? I think this has been amazing. Um, I actually am just looking forward to finishing my first year. You know, yeah. I've, I've seen every season. I <laughs> Ironically, I came in when the snow was all melted. So yeah. I'm kind of over the winter season with <laughs> 17 degrees this week, snowstorm this morning. Mm. But as I finish, you know, kind of that full year mm. at Lafayette, I would love to um, just continue to meet more students in different groups. And so, mm. again, if, if any of your listeners want to extend an invitation, would love yeah. to have me there. I would love to be there. And I'll, I'll tell everyone at Interfaith Council that as well. Please. Uh, yeah. So of your year, has there been a highlight or two? Of the year? Yeah. Ooh, so many. Um, <laughs> I think one of them certainly was from when I got here, hearing mm. about a place called The Spot. Oh, The Spot. And that, I don't know if that predates you. It, I'm not sure. I know Don, my spot is here. <laughs> Don Juan's, oh, I guess, used to yeah, be a yeah. social location for students where they would have dances and gatherings. And, oh, right. You know, we're, we're coming out of the pandemic. People want to get together again and, and, and be in community in person. And mm -hmm. so where do they have dances? Where do they socialize? Where do you go if you're not in a fraternity <laughs> or a sorority or have a space? So <laughs> working with student government and... Um, you know, Hank and Grace and, and the team there mm -hmm. to really um, assess, you know, what is the need for the community who don't have these social spaces mm -hmm. and help mm -hmm. level the playing field on the social scene oh, for all students. Amazing. Working with them and student government offering $400,000 from their reserves to create a social space in Lower Farron um, yeah. for all students, yeah. not restricted to anyone. I think mm -hmm. that was really um, one of the things I look back on and say that was wonderful. Um, mm. And, you know, too, there, there are challenges in our community right. over a year. You know, you're going to have um, a variety of circumstances happen that 
you know, rattle students, rattle administrators uh, that, that are tough to deal with. Especially with COVID. I, yeah. I can't imagine. And, you know, everything before COVID is still there. Right. And sometimes it reemerges. And so really looking at policy mm-hmm. with a fresh set of eyes and say, if something happens, how do we capture that so it's addressed? Right. right. How do we Have not let something drag on for mm-hmm. time? And really rolling up my sleeves and kind of getting mm-hmm. into it with the experts in those areas um, to really say now is the moment. Right. Coming out of this pandemic, we've we've got to get everything so that our operations, our policies, they they have the students always at the forefront, and that mm. um, that maybe the perspective I brought from Tennessee, um, mm. that I brought from F and M, um, meets with things that worked well here, but actually finds a place where things can work um, even better. Right, you can you can get those new solutions. Yeah, that's um, that's incredible. And and last, I would point to uh, technology. So mm-hmm. President Hirsch, he speaks a lot about um, infrastructure of opportunity, and mm-hmm. uh, Laura Farron, I think, is one that fits in that. Mm-hmm. But I'd also say tech um, moving orientation from a you know as your listeners <laughs> can hear that right. uh, paper <laughs> that you get that probably gets lost to oh. a fully online platform called Guidebook mm-hmm. um, really was a game changer. And I think mm-hmm. the more we can move things in technology and the make more we can make things streamlined, accessible, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and and directly, and kind of like what students would use and keep and right. find helpful, I think the better. So I think over the next year, um, and ha- and hopefully many at Lafayette, <laughs> I, I do intend to be here for a long time. Oh, that's um, amazing. Hopefully you'll see a lot more move in a very streamlined, mm-hmm. a more technological direction. Oh, that's incredible. Well, my one my one last question, when you're making all of these decisions, you know, we already talked about looking to your faith and looking to spirituality. Are there other kind of coping skills you've developed to not get overwhelmed with stress? I really, I think this is, you know, a great question for students, especially. Yes, I, I think yeah. healthy coping skills are, are wonderful. <laughs> yeah, for um, sure. So I value I value exercise. So mm-hmm. in the mornings, uh, like this morning, six 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 thirty a.m., I was driving to the gym for a run. Oh, that's amazing! I, I don't run outside. I know I'm going to get no, a lot of haters. I can't from cross country or somewhere on the on the campus. It's but freezing. I, it it yeah, is, but no. even in, even in warm months, I run in on the treadmill. Oh, so I, really? I, I do prefer okay. it. Um, but uh, yeah, I try to make time to go to the gym. Um, otherwise, I am a big movie buff, so if anyone oh, needs somebody really? on their trivia team, um, <laughs> I, I will be there, and I've got the movie category down. So I do try That's to amazing. go to movies, um, you know, every every so often. There aren't as many out now, but years ago, I would go every two weeks, you know, to yeah. see what was out. Do you have a favorite movie? Ooh, now you're putting <laughs> it on the spot. Um, I, have, I have kind of several, so, uh, <laughs> you know, Jurassic Park. I think is one that seeing it when I was real, real young in the theater and probably shouldn't have been there watching it that young. um, (laughs) It just kind of sticks in my mind is is epic and it's Spielberg. So it's, you know, it's it's always going to be an epic movie. Um, Mrs. Doubtfire with Robin Williams. Amazing. Just hilarious. Um, (laughs) And one probably no one would guess, but Cabin in the Woods, which is a horror movie um, from maybe 10 years ago, but Cabin Mm -hmm. in the Woods was one that, 
kind of spoofed all these other horror movies. So scary movies are actually my favorite genre. So that's oh, really? that's why that movie probably sits there. <laughs> oh, that's kind of which no one fun. ever guesses. But, yeah. yeah, no, I love that. It's like a a hidden fun fact you can pull out. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of Spielberg, I have to ask: Have you seen kind of any movies as of recent? Um, West Side Story. West Side Story. I did. I did. I saw it a couple weeks ago. Are you are you a musical person? Um. The last musical I saw before West Side Story was a great showman. Okay. And I loved it. Yeah. Um, Dear Evan Hansen. Sure, yeah. I saw. Um, yeah, so I've, I, I see them here and there, but yeah. I wouldn't say like I'm a musical person that I'm like <laughs> always up to date on what the new Broadway show yeah. is. I, I, I haven't seen a show <laughs> in New York for Broadway. It's on my bucket oh, list. Wait, never? Not, not on oh Broadway. Oh, my goodness. But to see... Um, Hamilton and to see some of these others it's it's still there it's still have you seen Hamilton list. on Disney plus that's on my list <laughs> oh you have it's not, you were a history major oh you I know love, I love it. it you what's your favorite period of history colonial America. Okay. oh yeah yeah, yeah. I, so it's right in there <laughs> oh my goodness no because I I love it too I love that period um yeah I, I almost went the history route um yeah no and what's that's, your major now my uh, <laughs> It's crazy. Uh, I love it. But um, it's a double major of psychology and religion and politics. Okay. <laughs> so I say I'm basically trying to figure out why people are the way they are. You are the perfect person <laughs> to be leading this podcast. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You know, it's so funny you were saying people say not to talk about um, religion, politics, or sports. And, you know, I'm not much of a sports fan, but those other two, that's all I talk about. <laughs> yeah, I realized because yeah. you mentioned you're from the Philly era that, you know, there were... I grew up in Massachusetts, so, you know, the Patriots, the Boston Red yeah. Sox. I didn't realize, like, around Philadelphia, a lot of the different restaurants and, and bars, like, even as far as King of Prussia, have a allegiance. Like, oh, one's, like, the yeah. Husker <laughs> bar from, like, Nebraska. Another one's the Pats bar. Like, they have things carved out in a way that you don't know. So you don't want to walk in with the wrong jersey. No, in the wrong place. no, no, no. you got to. I mean, the thing is, I'm not a football fan at all. My, my family, full of, full of football fans. But I know that I support the Eagles no matter what they do. <laughs> I, you know, if I had to pick one, I'd, I'd watch baseball, and I love the Phillies. But are you are you into the Pats? Are you? you I'm a fair it? weather sports fan, so if they're in the Super Bowl, which the Pats usually are, but yeah. you know, I'm, I'm in, on board. But I, I did like Tom Brady, and I did like Gronkowski, and mm-hmm. so seeing them at Tampa Bay, I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe I'm rooting for Bay, Tampa Bay as much yeah. as the Patriots. But then I live here, mm-hmm. so maybe I should. <laughs> Favorite color screen. Maybe I should be an Eagles fan. I, I think it could work for you. I mean. <laughs> so I'm open to that. I'm doing the tour then with them. Yeah. I'll have to go to Lincoln Field and you, see if they can persuade me to join. I, I think they have a shot. You know, especially if we're not playing the Pats or Tampa Bay. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny how I say we. That's that's a, my parentsism. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, I, I, love, I love knowing all these tidbits. I feel like we could talk forever. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I really, I really love this conversation so much. Thanks for inviting me, Lisa. Yeah, of course. Um, awesome. And thank you so much for listening.